Father God, we come to you now in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, uh, I pray for each and every person in this room to have a deep, loving, friendly, fatherly, brotherly relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, if they're a Christian, I pray that they decide today and learn today and just make that choice to be closer to Jesus when they walk out of here than ever before. And I pray, Father, that if they don't know Jesus as their friend and their Savior, I pray that they find somebody today to help them make that relationship, secure that relationship, so that we can all walk out of here and call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ. Speak through me, Lord, and I pray that I'm heard well. In Jesus' name I pray in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, um, that song, I hope I can remember the words, but caught up in this holy moment, I just want to sit her at your feet, caught up in this holy moment, I never want to leave. Did I say that right? Where's the, where's the worship team? Was I close? And so, uh, caught up in this holy moment, I never want to leave. And so, today I want to implore you, don't. Don't. There's no time in our lives as Christians that we should ever leave the presence of Jesus Christ. He promised us that he never leaves us. So if we feel apart from him, we have to own that. Right? Why do we feel apart from Jesus if he says, I will never leave you or forsake you? Well, then he's doing his part. We just need to make sure we do our part. And so I would say that I'm tempted to teach today on how to be a better Christian. Right, how to be a better follower of Jesus Christ. And I just want to implore to you to be closer to Jesus, and that will come. Right? Live more consistently with Jesus, and that will come. You cannot be in the presence of Jesus Christ and be worse. You cannot be in the presence of Jesus Christ and be the same. So that means you can only be in the presence of Jesus Christ and be better. And so uh, remember the wristbands that used to say WWJD? That's good. Really, that is good. What would Jesus do? That's a great question. I, have, I would just say and. And I have a different one. It's WSWD. Because I'm not going to say what would Jesus do. I'm going to turn to Jesus and say, what should we do? Because I'm never going to leave his presence. I'm going to be with him. I'm not going to wonder what Jesus wants to do. I'm going to ask Jesus, what do you want to do? I'm going to try my best to walk out every day every moment in the presence of Jesus Christ. Literally walking to work, driving to work, through traffic, at work, in meetings, at work with clients, at work with... Those don't always go good, right? Some of those things are choppy. But if I do all of those things with Jesus Christ, they're going to go better. Does that make sense? I haven't done 24-7 yet. I'm trying to do this. I'm working on this with you, right? I, every day I wake up and say, Jesus, I want to live every minute of every hour with you. And around 11 a.m. every morning, I'm like, where's Jesus? And so, so it's a struggle, right? It it's feels like an uphill battle sometimes because the world is against this magnificent relationship, right? And because the world is against it, we've got to work at it. We've got to determine that that's what I want to do, right? We've got to make that choice. We've got to make that commitment. 
And then what, was, what is the greatest thing about walking with Jesus? Every time we fall down, he helps us up, right? So if you realize at 11 a.m. like I do that Jesus is not close to me, or at least I'm not close to him, turn around. And it's kind of neat. I had this idea that if I turn around, I'm going to bump noses with him because he's right there, right? So every time I turn around, I'm going to bump noses with Jesus Christ. So if you realize you feel distant from him, just turn around and bump noses with Jesus. And then that's going to make you laugh in the middle of the day anyway, right? Because, hey, sometimes we need to laugh. So in chapter 4, Paul turns from the thanksgiving and prayer of the Thessalonians to the exhortation, right? He says, you guys are doing great. You guys are awesome. But, and so for this body of believers, the view from Timothy's report, he says, um, there's more, right? And so in my career, I trained, I was doing the math. I, I'm safe to say a thousand. I may not be safe saying thousands, but I've trained over a thousand people in my life, in my career. And as I've trained these people, I realized like Paul, repetition is the key to adult learning because Paul says the same thing over and over and over. And as you read the different letters to different people, he says it the same thing in different ways. But today he's saying he started out in chapter four, one and two. Finally, then, brethren, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. That means you're doing great. Do more. Right? Don't, I mean, don't rest in your laurels. Don't get lazy. Don't let yesterday make up for tomorrow. Right? Just listen. There's more to do. And so we could say to get better, or we could say to get closer, or we could say when we get closer, we get better. So God wants us to be set apart. That means different, right? That means you don't look like the people you're being set apart from. The hardest part for my Christian walk has been looking different. When, for me, if I'm at a dinner, a business dinner, what do you think every, the waiter says? What's the first thing the waiter says when he comes to the table for dinner? What are you guys drinking tonight? This and that and this and that and this with a twist and that on the rocks and this whatever. Uh, water with a lemon, please. On the rocks. <laughs> you know, and so, but listen, I look different. And I feel that sometimes. Sometimes I feel like, ha, I'm the best one here. And sometimes I feel like, I'm so tired of looking different. I, don't, I just want to fit in. I just want to be like everybody else. But everybody else is not going where I'm going. Everybody else isn't walking with the Savior I'm walking with. And he's saying, listen, you're going to look different. If you do this well, you're going to look different. And so last week, Pastor Josiah taught about sex. Thank God that was him last week and not me. And secondly, right, he taught about sanctification. And sometimes we think about sanctification like it's the 33rd degree of Christianity. Like, I'm a 33 degree Christian sanctification. But it's not. It just means set apart. So that you have to look at yourself in the mirror and you have to look at yourself as you walk throughout the day. Do I look different than the world around me? And am I trying to make Jesus look more like them or am I trying to look more like Jesus? 
Because that's a choice. And for some of us realize that's a really, really big choice. And for all of us, it's a really hard choice. Not that it's hard to choose Jesus. He took away my sins and he's bringing me to heaven. Easy choice. Walk with him day in and day out and look like him, more like him than the rest of the world. Challenging choice. And that's the challenge we have as Christians. And that's the, that's the verses we have today. And so as we walk in to today's text, verse 9 in chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians. Now, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. And to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs. Another version says mind your own business. I think that really gets to the point. Mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Paul is speaking to the body of Christ. And here's what it looks like day to day. Uh, John MacArthur is a, a famous pastor. And it's one of the, Josiah asked me to read some different people's, uh, you know, he's, not, he's a little nervous when he says, Mike, you can have the pulpit. And so he says, Mike, you should read these other guys and maybe get, you know, half a clue. And so John MacArthur is one of those guys. And John MacArthur, I realized, I haven't really read a lot of John MacArthur. He's one of my guys now because uh, you won't see a lot of quotes from other people today. You'll see a lot of quotes from John MacArthur. And so, um, which was my revelation for the, for the last month. But John MacArthur says, what makes all of these verses to sort of hang together is that they have to do with simple attitudes and duties of Christian living. This is shoe leather stuff. It's not ephemeral. It's not esoteric. It's not ethereal. Something off in space. It is very simple, very direct, very practical. And I just want to say, I am so thankful that I don't have to explain what ephemeral, esoteric, and ethereal mean. And so this was really my section of scripture, right? We can, we can keep it simple. And, and listen, this is what I'm all about. I want to apply the Christian faith. I want to be a Christian. I don't want to talk about Christianity. I want to be a Christian. And if I'm not being a Christian, I don't mind you telling me. Because I want to be closer to Jesus. I want my life to reflect a closeness with Jesus Christ that is unmistakable. I don't want one person to say, did you know Mike was a Christian? And somebody else says, I didn't have any clue. I've lived with a guy, you know, I've been working with a guy for three years. I would have never thought he was a Christian. I hope that doesn't happen. Right? So when he says shoe leather faith, he's talking about our walk. Right? We talk about that all the time. How's your walk? The Christian walk. And so it's exactly what he's talking about here through this, this, this section of Scripture. He's talking about how are you doing in your walk? Well, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck, right? So Paul's saying to us today, if we walk like this, if we love like this, if we talk like this and we work like this, you must be a Christian, right? And so that way, I don't have to tell the world I'm a Christian I get to show the world I'm a Christian. And I think that's more effective. Because sometimes we, we've all heard somebody say, don't do as I say, don't do as I do, do as I say. And what are we, what's the word that comes to mind? Hypocrite, right? Who signed up to be a hypocrite? Well, in a way, I did. See, because my standard is Jesus Christ. I fall short every day. But I get up because he's right there to help me up. 
And like the songs we read today, he doesn't remind me of how I fell down. He just says, get up, let's go. And so I am going to teach you standards, try to inspire you to live to these standards, and I'm going to confess to you right now, I fall short sometimes. But I get up. And that's all I can ask you to do, is get up, dust off, say, what did I learn from that? What am I going to do to make sure that doesn't happen again? And then let's keep moving forward. Right? And so in today's teaching, uh, as Paul wants us to set ourselves apart, this is how the world outside the church will recognize us as different, a good different, an, an attractive different, a different that might spark a meaningful conversation. Right? So the points of today's talk are love more, live the way, lead to Jesus. And you'll notice a lot of one-syllable words, right? So my speed. And so, so in Romans 5.5, 5, it says, The love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Did you hear that? The love of God has been poured out into our hearts. Which means, as Christians, it's, it's there. It's already there. I know sometimes if you see me in traffic, you see me in a disagreement with my wife, you see me watching the dolphins, it may not seem like the love is in me, right? And so, but I'm promised it is, right? I just might be in the way, right? And so we are God taught by the Holy Spirit. God in the Holy Spirit comes to live in us and we were saved, and he teaches us this love, to love. And so the word there, I will try one hard word, theodidactus, right? Theodidactus, right? Or didactos. And so the reason I like that word is I used to be in medical sales. And so when I was in medical sales, the first word, one of the first words I had to learn was didactic, right? Because the rest of the world calls it a lecture or a class, Doctors don't go to lectures or classes. Doctors go to didactics. So what's a didactic? Well, it's a lecture, right? But it means there's a room full of doctors probably because they call, they're the ones that seem to call it a didactic. And then theo, theodidactic. God teaches us, right, through this big Greek word. Interestingly, it's the only time this Greek word shows up in the whole Bible. Theodidactos. God teaches us. And it's interesting that it's around God teaches us to love. God teaches us to love. And so, so in, as we uh, do talk about concerning brotherly love, right, and we see there's also the term agape, another Greek word, shorter, agape. Agape means pure, true, selfless, unadulterated, uncorrupted, pure love. I have that sometimes. Sometimes I don't. But I thrive in the times that I do. I love when I can love you without, without, without forethought. That I can love you without thinking who's watching. When I can love you without even caring where's this going. Just loving you in the moment for the sake of loving you. I want to do that all the time with all of you. Always. And I want you all the time to do that with each of every one of us. We need to love one another. That's what this brotherly love is all about. We need to love one another. Paul says God teaches you to do so, and he doesn't need to write to you about it. 
Because God is, is, is producing this agape in you, and it's flowing into Philadelphia, right, which is brotherly love. Now, that's kind of funny to me, because if you're old like me, you think about Philadelphia, Monday night football, they threw a snowballs at Santa Claus. Philadelphia, in my mind, is famous for throwing snowballs at Santa Claus. The city of brotherly love does not love Santa Claus. <laughs> Apparently, he's not a brother. And so, but what is, that is so much like me. Mike Danker, known for brotherly love. Unless there's a Pats fan in the room, or a Jets fan, or a Bills fan. I'm working on it, though. Dear God, I want to love the Pats. I want to love the Bills. I'm so thankful Brady is in Tampa Bay. So God answers prayers. And so, the, um, so maybe you ask, if they are already famous for loving insiders and outsiders, how can we love more? How can they love more? And so let's go to uh, Matthew 5. Matthew 5, it's the Sermon on the Mount. I think it's verse 17. I might be wrong. I didn't write it in my notes. I apologize. I broke the verse down into a checklist. Because if you're like me, you read this part of Scripture really, really fast. Because you think if you read it fast enough, it'll be blurry, and maybe you won't be held accountable to it. Have you read these words? But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Definitely not. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That's how you may be sons of your father, sons and daughters of your father in heaven. So I can tell you I love you, and I can say I love you. I can, I can put it in a text. I can, I can tell one of the grown men in here I love you without bro or hey man, but just I love you. And it's, that's hard to do, by the way. I don't know if you're a guy to guy saying I love you right in the face. Kind of difficult. But let me tell you this. To say to somebody, to just literally, this is what it looks like living it out. I'm going to send a blessing to somebody who's cursing me right now. Traffic comes to mind, right? They give you the, the uh, signal of love from their car, and you give them the signal of your love back, right? That's a blessing for a curse. Do good to those who hate you. Have you ever done good to somebody that hates your guts? I have to think long and hard. I, I hope I did, but I don't know if I have. I don't know if I have done anything good for somebody that hates my guts. Pray for those who spitefully... And just think about you, you thought this was kind of mellow. He says, those who spitefully use you. Now, thank God I can't even think of anybody spitefully using me right now. But if somebody is spitefully using you, you're supposed to pray for them. I can tell you this. When I write down names for people, I won't say spitefully use me, but there are some folks that bother me in this world. And when I write those people on my prayer list... It is more supernatural than I write my mom's name on my prayer list. I'm telling you, there's something super powerful and special about doing this. This is where the, this is where the heavens open up. 
when you, when, because God knows your heart towards other people. God knows this is a supernatural thing. Like, I know how Mike feels about Bill Belichick, right? I want him to come to the Dolphins. I could love that guy. But there's a, there's a way that he, his linebackers spitefully use my offensive linemen. Like, they, it's just ugly. It's ugly on those game days. But when I pray for him, it is powerful. When I pray for the people I don't want to pray for, God knows I'm doing that for the love of him. Right? I'm doing that through him. And so these are powerful things. These are practical things that make life different for us. Does that make sense? There, there are names. Who is it hard for you to pray for? Everybody just got a name, maybe five, right? <laughs> Depending on how work is going these days. But I want you to write those names. I want you to pray for those people. I want you to pray for the people whose names just came to mind. Pray for them. Pray for those people because those are the hard ones. But I'm telling you, these are the things that open up the heavens. These are the supernatural events in our lives that can make a difference and change them, change us, and change our relationship. And I want to talk about what I call this is called mustard seed love. Mustard seed love is, mustard seeds are famous for being the smallest seed, but they're also famous for growing into the biggest tree. So from the smallest tree, smallest seed to the biggest tree. So there's a verse in the Bible that says that in um, Matthew 17, verse 20, it says, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So I'm still trying to get this mustard seed faith, because every time I go to the North Carolinas, I look at mountains and I go, move, move, move. And then I drive back home, all the way back home to Florida, going, need more faith, need more faith, need more faith. And so, but I need faith as a mustard seed. Now wait, is it because I just need this little bit of faith? Just like a mustard seed? Does that mean I don't have mustard seed? Like, I don't have that little bit of faith yet? Or is it different? Is it that that mustard seed's walking around going, I'm going to be a big tree someday. <laughs> don't look at me like a mustard seed. Look at me like a big tree because I'm coming. Right? Now think about that in the context of somebody that's hard to like and you're, you're going to love them. Look at them and say, I am going to love you someday. I am going to, I'm going to like you more and more until someday I'm going to love you. That's mustard seed love. It starts out really, really small, right? And you can't see it. You can't see it. You have to believe it. You have to believe that this mustard seed love is going to become big tree love someday for the person that you can't see it in. But that's where we live in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It says, abide, live, abide in faith, hope, and love. But the great, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Love is the big tree. I get there by believing and hoping. My faith says, I believe I'm going to love you like a big tree someday. I'm going to have big tree love for you someday. And hope means I want it. See, sometimes we, we, we have faith in things that we know we're supposed to have for, but we're lacking hope because we really don't want that prayer to be answered, right? That person is being really mean to me. I'm going to love you someday because faithfully I'm supposed to say that. But deep down in my heart, do I want that? Do I want you to be at my dinner table someday? Well, that's where hope comes from because that's what hope says. Hope says, I want you at my dinner table someday, All right? Faith says, I believe it can happen. Hope says, I want it. 
And then love is what's going to make it a reality. Faith, hope, and love. These three. And the first word's so cool because it says abide. Abide. Abide means in your abode, right? Your humble abode. We're going to get to the humble abode in a minute. But you abide means that's where you live. Where do you live? I live in faith, hope, and love. But love is the greatest of these. Because when I fall short in the other two, love makes up for it. Right? And so the, the journey of the mustard seed starts tiny and ends large. And God asks us to do the same thing. He's wanting us, just like Paul said to the Thessalonians, do this more and more. More and more in our faith, more and more in our love, and more and more in our witness. But our witness may or may not be with words. Right? That's what Paul's really talking to us here today about. That you're going to witness to me for the love and magnificence of Jesus Christ. And you might even do it without words. Because of the way we live. And that's what second part, point number two is live the way in verse 11. Live the way. And to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you. There's a, uh, my wife came into the office the other day and she goes, you've got to use this in your sermon. I go, it's in social media. I'm always a little, uh, I don't know where this is going, right? But if, did the post come up there? So anyway, there's a post that came up on, uh, I think it was in LinkedIn. It was in LinkedIn, which is kind of neat because you don't see it. If you're in LinkedIn, there's not a lot of spiritual stuff on LinkedIn all the time. And so, but this came up and, and it's kind of funny. The guy says, this is in the Bible in First Thessalonians 4, 9 through 12. So I go, okay, I guess I should pay attention here. And he says, uh, I saw a post I didn't agree with. I didn't get offended. I didn't comment. I didn't feel the need to change their mind. I still like the person. I'm trying my best to love the person. I just kept scrolling and went on with my day. More should practice this. That's so cool, right? The thing, the, thing, the thing is so interesting is that we're ambassadors for Christ. And if you ever went to ambassador school, on second day of ambassador school, after all the, the meet and greets and getting to know who your bosses are and everything, they're going to say, you can never be offended. Ambassadors can never be offended. You will be an ineffective ambassador as soon as you're offended because your feelings just over, overtook the mission, right? Your self just overtook the mission. So if we're ambassadors for Jesus Christ, we have to stop saying, that's offensive. I'm offended. <sighs> because usually that's a green light to go do something we shouldn't have done. We probably said something not so much in love, but I was offended for Jesus, right? Like, Jesus isn't supposed to be said that way. <laughs> so, and so, uh, the, um, so I just, I know it's a post on LinkedIn. I know it's not mine, but it's, it, it incredibly makes the point, right? This is how we should be on social media. This is how we should be at work. This is how we should be in traffic. This is how we should be at the dinner table. You know, I got to meet my birth mom about two years ago. I was adopted at birth, and so we had zero, zero contact, but I got to meet her about two years ago. And um, it's an interesting insight that in the first, I said something to her that sparked evangelistic Christian, <laughs> because she said something to me like, 
you found Jesus, huh? And I said, well, yes, I did. She said, what kind? I didn't know there was kinds. So, and this is a really important pop quiz. And so <laughs> this is my mom, right? So most people don't meet their mom and be able to have conversations in the first five seconds. And so uh, I said, uh, and then as I was pausing, going, what kind of a question is this? She said, evangelical? And I said, yes. And she said, Trump? I said, what's that got to do with it? <laughs> but listen. She's outside the church world looking in, and she went, Jesus, evangelical Trump. I'm not going to comment, but that's not my list. That's not what I woke up for today. That's not what I, that's not anything. That's not anything. I want somebody to go, oh, you love Jesus. You must love all people. Wow, you must really, you must be one of those people that just tries to get along with everybody and make the best of everything. You try to build bridges, not build walls. You try, to, you try to relate with people, not, not make reasons not to get along with people. You try to find a reason to get into their lives so you can bring Jesus with you. Right? So I said to my mom, if you get in the same room with my wife, you cannot talk politics. <laughs> but you know what she said? Then we won't. Then we won't. We'll just keep scrolling. Right? We'll find something to land on. I love that. And it, what's funny is that, so 20 minutes later, my wife meets my mom. And for the next four hours, they were, it was just a freaking frack. They were just over there talking, 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 talking. Nobody else got, I'd, I'd like to talk to my mom. I just met her. Like, bop, 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 bop. And so, but guess what? They stayed off of politics. Now, we've been talking for two years. A little politic come in here. A little comment comes in here. But you know what? You know what we do? We don't say anything. When a political comment is made from one side, because you slip and you say things, but all of a sudden you just look over and you go, I'm not going to talk about that. So you just, and then the other person takes the cue and goes, we're going to talk about other things. Because, and usually those slips aren't nice, by the way. You find them, you could easily find them offensive, right? And so, but listen, I don't want, I don't mind here to be offended. I'm here to love my mom and build a relationship with her. I'm about 54 years behind right? I met, 53. I met my mom at 53, right? So I got some catching up to do, and I don't need to be worrying about political views to get in the way of that, right? Not important. Now, do I want my mom, who's going to listen to this recording, <laughs> do I want my mom to have a great relationship with Jesus Christ? Yes, and she knows that, and so I want all of us to have a great-er relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the point here, don't sit in your chair and say, I'm as good as it gets, because none of us are. We're not going to stand up here and say that either, <laughs> right? I'm here to say, I want to get greater. I want to get better. I want to get closer with Jesus Christ, right? That's the point, right? That we're good if we're like the church, because this is a good, healthy church. I sat on the beach last week and looked out. Into the, uh, into the ocean as we did baptisms. And one of the other brothers in our church said, it is amazing how our church is growing and it's so healthy and it's so beautiful and it's so awesome, right? And I'm like, I look, it is. We are like this church that Paul brags about in Thessalonica. But Paul says, and more. 
right? More and more. So let's just get better. It's not, so we don't come to church today and say, hey, tell me how good I am, right? We came to church so that we could walk out better. Now you're going to say, I wish Josiah was up here because that would help a lot. But anyway, we'll move on. We'll move on. And so as we, as we're, you know, let's look at that verse a little bit as we talk about working. Uh, Colossians 3.23 says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that from, from the Lord, you will receive the reward of, his, of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. I don't know how Paul chooses when to put the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus, Jesus but he says the Lord Christ. That sounds like the heaviest one of the combinations of things you could call Jesus, the Lord Christ. Like, it seems like Vader's coming in. Like, the Lord Christ is here. Whoa! <laughs> and so that I didn't say Jesus Christ is like Darth Vader. I did not say that. I just said it kind of gives that feel. That's all I said. It kind of gives that feel. And so, but think about this, that how many of us are doing things at work wondering if somebody else is watching, somebody else that's not named Jesus, right? How many of us are getting dressed in the morning and saying, I wonder if so-and-so is going to see me today. You know, that I, should, I should pick. Listen, I do that. I go, I'm going to pick. Well, maybe so-and-so and then, then I go, I need to pick the ugliest shirt in my closet because I'm getting wrapped up about what other people think, right? And so I'm the poster child for how not to do this some days. Praise God, some days I'm the poster child to how, do to, how, do to, how to do this correctly. And so, but those days come together, right? They come, we're, I, I rise and fall. And Jesus is there to pick me up. Why wouldn't I want to be closer to him? And I know, that you, I know that it sounds like I'm being redundant. I know you're saying, I'm close to Jesus. I chose Jesus. I just want you to go into your heart and go, was I as close to him all day yesterday as I could be? And did I bring him everywhere that I went? One of the habits that I'm try- I've developed and I'm working on it because it, it's not quite a habit habit yet. Breathing is a good habit for me. I do it all the time. I want Jesus to be like breathing, right? All the time. But I try to walk up to a door to a meeting, no matter what the door, whatever the meeting is on the other side, and say, Jesus, will you walk in with me? Now, the t- I can tell you the times I remember that, it's, it's more, miraculous that I ever forget. Because the times I remember, the meetings go better. They just go better. And they go, I got to tell you, that, and so many, not all the time, but many times they go miraculously better. They start off ridiculously bad. But when I leave the meeting, I can't even remember how it got so good, but I left and it was, it was a good ending. You know, bad beginning, choppy middle, good ending. Well, that's all I really wanted anyway. That's what you want from any meeting, right? It's a good ending. And so maybe it's like a redemption story. Starts a little rough, gets a little choppy. Redemption in the end, right? That's every redemption said a movie has a really bad middle, right? Because that's what makes the redemption redeeming. And so I try to remember Jesus into every meeting. And then so it's okay to work hard. It's okay to earn money. It's okay to to seek out accolades. But just do the work to get the accolades. Don't do it for the applause and the cheering. Because has anybody ever heard of the term an audience of one? An audience of one is how we're supposed to go to work. I work for Jesus Christ. He made my boss. He made the founder of my company. He made the competition. 
Our Father gives them all oxygen. He gives them all rain. He is in control. If he says it's going to go well for me, it will. If he says it's not going to go well for me, it won't. So why don't I just choose to, be, to bring him into the meetings with me and, cho and choose to believe that whatever happens in the meeting was the best thing that could have happened, whether it was the way I wanted to go or not. That's what walking close to Jesus, working close to Jesus, driving close to Jesus, and quite frankly, sometimes arguing close to Jesus, right? Like, because the arguments get shorter when you bring Jesus into your arguments, right? You get, you're going to get out of the argument because you're going to say, my wife says the neighbors are listening. The neighbors are listening. I've got hurricane-proof windows. That's never, that's never going to work. But, but if she ever says Jesus is listening, done. Party's over. And so, and the third point is to lead to Jesus. And that's this modeling that we're doing. That's this lifestyle that we're living. That's the way that we're walking, right? People are watching. People are watching. I'm an aggressive driver. 20 years ago, I was an incredibly death-defying, law-breaking, reckless driver. Now I'm just aggressive. <laughs> so I've come a long way. But my wife used to say to me with three kids in the back that were, you know, approaching their teens, she would say, they're watching. Little elbow, they're watching. And, and at first I didn't realize what she meant, but then, then I drove with my kids one day. I'm like, oh my gosh, they were watching. <laughs> and so, so, it's, so listen, whether you think they're watching or, or even more appropriately, even though you don't want them to be watching, the world is watching. The world is picking up your cues. The world is saying, huh, I see how they operate. Are they saying, I want to grow up and be just like them? I hope so. I hope so. I hope you're leaving a mark on society. I hope you're leaving a mark on the people that you hang around with. I hope you're leaving a mark on the people that you work with. And I want that mark to look a lot like Jesus Christ. Or their recognition that they don't have Jesus Christ. I want what they have. They've got something I want, right? We want to create desire in the world around us so that they can come to be where we are. And so if we're going to lead to Jesus, right, so that you may walk properly, verse 12, before outsiders and be dependent on no one. This is where that theodidactos comes back to me. Theodidactos is that insider language for doctors, right? Didactic, didactic, not lecture, not class, didactic. But if a doctor's smart, when he comes out into the world and he talks to me about it, he's going to say, yeah, we got a class later because the key is to be understood. If he wants to impress me, he'll say he's going to a didactic. If he wants me to understand where he's going, he's telling me he's going to his class, right? And that's the way that it's okay for us to have insider language as Christians. We're always talking about Christianese. That's a bad, bad. Listen, Christianese to Christians is okay. We know what we're talking about. As Christianese to the outside world is a foreign language. It's inappropriate. If you want them to understand what you're talking about, you can't speak Christianese to a non-Christian. Why would you want them to understand? Why would you expect them to understand? So if you want to impress, use all the Christianese you want with non-Christians. But if you want to be effective and be understood, try to avoid it. Does that make sense? But listen, Christianese to Christians, it's fine. 
Listen, we, the reason we have an insider language is it's more efficient, it's more effective, gets to the point faster, we have an understanding immediately, we have a connection. Oh, you're one of us. Listen, that's not a bad thing. It's okay to be part of the club. We're reaching the rest of the world to join the club. So it's okay if we look like we're part of a special club. It is very, very special. The cool thing is it's not exclusive. It's open to everyone. It's open to everyone. But it's a good club to be part of. Can I get an amen? amen? Right? Do we walk around sometimes going, I'm in this secret club. I don't know if you'd ever want to talk about it. But, you know, the, the dues are really low. And, you know, the, the membership, you know, they, they got coffee. It's good coffee. And so, <laughs> listen, there's a lot more going on in our club. Right? And so, so the world looks on and says the church needs to be more relevant. Some people in the church say the church needs to be more relevant. And so what does that mean? Does that mean we need to have our music sound more like the world's music, to be more relevant? Does that mean we need to uh, have more like theater and drama so that we look more like the world? Does it mean that we need to have, uh, look at like Madison Avenue, look at the marketing techniques that they're using and say, hey, we should apply those here. Because if it works for the world, it should work for, hmm. Or do we just start giving everybody what they want? Make sure the message we says, and we know it's from the Bible, but some parts of the Bible are a little bit offensive to some people. Maybe we don't want to offend somebody. Maybe we should just water that down. Maybe we should take that out. Maybe we should only preach half the Bible. No, 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 no. The most effective way for us to be relevant in the church is to live the life of a Christian in every dimension of daily life. And so that we close any existing gap between our faith, what we talk about, and our feet what we model and do and exhibit every day. We want to close that gap between what we say and what we do. Make sense? Yes. The world will watch and say you're different. You have love. You have peace. You have focus. You have purpose. Perhaps the door will open then for us to tell them who it is that made us this way. That's why we live the way we live. And that's why we try to correct certain parts of our lives. Because we want to be the witness that causes other people to say, what have you got that I don't? And then we get to say, Lord Christ or Jesus. I have Jesus. And if you don't have Jesus, I pray there's a lot of really awesome people in our church that know Jesus. Right? And so that if you don't know Jesus, I don't want you to walk out of here not knowing Jesus. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know the love of Jesus. I want you to know the restoring power of Jesus. I want you to know the mountain-moving power of Jesus Christ, even though I can't make mountains move yet. It's there. It's there. And I want you to move a mountain before I do. I want your faith to be greater than mine. I want you to love more than I do. I want you to be better than me. I want to be the lowest bar on this rung, lowest rung on this ladder. I want to be the lowest. I want you guys to excel, exceed, and be better than me, more consistent. At 11 a.m., you're still, you're still talking to Jesus just like he was right next to you, and I'm still wondering where he is at 11 a.m. because I'm trying to get better. I want you to get past me. I want you to get better. I want you to do great. But I am going to push the bar because I want to get better. I want to get closer. I want to do great. All of us together are the body of Christ. No one of us is. We are Christ. He is Christ. No one of us is. 
Together we can get wherever we need to go. Together we can be the church that God designed us to be. Together we can be the church that Christ is calling us to be, wants us to be, and the one that makes the world look on and go, what have you got that I don't? So that we get to tell the world Jesus. Amen? Amen. I have no idea where I am on the time, but I'm out of stuff. And so <laughs> I hope we're right, at, right on time, but praise God, God is on time. Right? And so, uh, and I rarely am. So uh, let's pray. Father God, I love you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving everyone in this room. Thank you for loving everyone in this world. Thank you, God, for putting everybody here, putting everyone around us, the people that cross our paths all day long. And we pray for them now, Father. We pray for every person that's going to cross our path this week. We pray that they see Jesus Christ in us. We, see that, we pray that they see Jesus Christ around us. We pray that they literally sense something about us without us saying a word. That your Holy Spirit is so powerful and so evident within us that they see there's something missing in their lives and it appears that some of that is in our lives. I pray that more of you is evident in every one of our days and every one of our ways. And I pray, Father, that everyone walking out here is closer to you. And I pray that they have a deeper desire to be closer to you consistently. And I pray that no one walks out of here without knowing you as their Savior. It's in Jesus' name I pray in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.